Well, just as a little intro into this panel session, um, we all know that people are made in the image of God and that every person's soul is eternal. Um, So we know that people should be prioritized in our lives. Um, In Proverbs 31, we see her interacting with so many different people, both inside and outside of her home. Um, For example, Proverbs 31 mentions her husband in verse 11, um, dealing with merchants in verses 14 and 24, her household um, in verse 15, the poor and needy in verse 20, her children in 28. Um, And back in March, we did recognize... um, that she displayed a godly, she displays a godly character in relating to all of those people by being trustworthy, uh, faithful, kind, generous, intentional. Um, she was not selfish. She's caring, giving, humble, wise, careful with her words, and sacrificial. Um, so that's kind of some of the, I guess, an intro into the topic of, of this panel session. And I'm joined by these three lovely ladies. Um, if you want to each introduce yourselves um, real quick, just in case people don't know your names, that would be helpful. Therese Engling. Melissa Sutherland. Sarah Naylor. Great. Thank you. Um, so we'll just dive right in. So we, we titled this panel in our notes here, um, and I think you have some note pages as well in your booklet, and at the top you'll see it's, it's titled, A Proverbs 31 Woman Has an External, or I'm sorry, Has an e- <laughs> Eternal, Eternal, Like Forever, um, An Eternal Perspective. Um, and passion for the people the Lord has placed in her life. So we'll just dive right in. So with that title in mind, how do you try to keep an, an eternal perspective as you go about your day? Melissa, you want to start us off? Or? Sure. Thanks for that. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the ice. I guess with trying to keep an eternal perspective, it's good to just look at the whole scheme of things. Um, and stop and think, is this going to matter in a year? Is this going to matter in a week or a day or in 10 minutes? Um, to just know if, you know, if this is worthy of, of the time that I'm investing in it. I, I think I'm trying to be more intentional of putting in what I'm putting in. Um, so not to get caught up in the things of this world, but being intentional about throughout my day, um, starting my day off in the Word and in prayer, and then as I'm doing laundry or um, cleaning the house, I'm listening to MacArthur, or I'm listening, re- re-listening to Brett's message, because usually I'm halfway out of the door because of a child. So being able to listen to that again, or um, putting on Spotify and listening to the songs that we're singing Sunday morning, that keeps my perspective off of the things of this world. But and turning it back to Christ, and that's been really helpful the last couple of um, the last couple of years. And um, I think it's uh, just as I approach my day, just thinking in terms of um, God's word, um, as uh, the sense of that is the eternal thing. Um, keeping that in mind, I'm thinking like the mundane things. Uh, you might be thinking. Like First Corinthians ten thirty one. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, and so that'll keep your focus. It keeps mine. It keeps me um, less frustrated and more focused, um, seeing that that's my purpose. Um, 
And it, one, for instance, would be that if I am working with my daughter and she's frustrated with math and I see if I can be not frustrated with her and, um, and try to uh, help her see how to grow in self-control by me being self-controlled. So um, just those kind of things that help me to focus on uh, Christ and, um, and that this, these things I want to grow character in my children or the people around me, so that would be an eternal, eternal thing to keep in mind. Thank you. Um, how do you maintain a passion for the people the Lord has placed in your life? I think the greatest for me is just praying for them. Because uh, if I'm praying for them, I'm focused on them, I'm, I'm giving them before God, and if I have an issue, then it's, I'm, I'm placing that before God, and that's going to keep me focused on a passion for them. Um, agreed, praying for them. I have an intimate hour with God in the morning. I don't, I don't ever get through it for an hour, but one of the things is praying for my day, and my day is spent with my children a lot. So just starting to pray for them, Help me to be patient with them at breakfast. <laughs> Help me to be kind to them when I'm getting dressed and we need to get out the door. Putting my day before the Lord with my kids and praying through each one of those things, I see the Lord changes my heart when those moments arise and I start to get impatient or I start to see things, um, or I start to react the way I shouldn't, that the Lord's reminding me because in the morning I started praying over them, and that's been very helpful. Um, the other thing is, at the end of the day, reviewing my day. Usually it's right before I go to bed, praying through, confessing sin, seeing areas I can change. Um, but that's been helpful to the next day to remember, okay, this is where I, I didn't do well, but God gives mercy each morning, and he's faithful, and um, I have opportunity to deny myself the next morning to serve them. And it is, it's just that constant prayer. Um, of bringing them before the Lord. And, and he changes our hearts because it's not always, sometimes we don't like them. It's okay. So God, God changes our hearts to um, love them well. Um, and that, that I am seeing, and that's been helpful. Yeah, I'd agree with praying for them and knowing how to pray. So that involves talking with them and seeing what's going on in their lives. Um, not only the people in my immediate home, but just the people that the Lord has placed in my life and following up with them and, and seeing how to continue praying for them. So kind of shifting gears and specifically talking about our husbands, um, how do you handle it when you don't agree with a decision that maybe your husband uh, makes? And kind of a follow-up with that is how do you intentionally set your mind on honoring the Lord by honoring and submitting to your husband and his decisions? in those difficult moments. We one. always agree. Always. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Where's the lightning? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I, I think for me, it often if I go down and dig deeper, the, it's my heart that I ultimately am not trusting the Lord. Um, so I have to go past just, I don't agree with my husband. Um, and dig into what, what's, what's the bigger, deeper heart issue. And it's that I'm fearful, maybe, or 
usually it's fearful. Um, and it's not, it's that I'm not trusting that God is sovereign and God is good. And God has placed Adam in my life to be over me. And so rehearsing the truths about who God is ha- helps me to remember to trust. We always agree as well. Um, <laughs> I'd say um, if I do disagree with my husband, nobody's ever going to know about it because I'm not going to share that with other people. Um, that's between him and I. And it's never been something that's become an argument between us. Um, I've always known that if we do disagree on something, that I can still trust what his, um, what his point of view is and that he has always had my best interest at heart, and we're able to talk through those things privately, and sometimes he's able to change my heart, and sometimes we're able to just come up with a completely different decision on that together, but I can't say that any disagreement has ever really turned into an argument, um, as long as you're going to keep that in mind. And I think for me, um, it would be calmly and carefully stating my thoughts and ideas, and making sure that I'm not, you know, manipulative or passive-aggressive or something like that, and, um, and just uh, being expressive, but remembering that, that he does have that last say, and that's fine, and, that, and being fine with it, and knowing that, you know, also that God will call him into account for our family, and so I need to support him, and, um, uh, and I wouldn't want to be in that position. <laughs> um, and I mean, I've had, I've, I've been in places where I've had to apologize that I did take the lead, um, and also to remember how I, I disagree in front of the kids. Um, how am I going to just jump on him, or am I going to pull him aside, or you know, do I even say anything? So I have to be very considerate about that. You know how how. Um, because they're also going to see how they should respond. Um, if it's, uh, we have many females, so <laughs> if, if they're going to be uh, married, so. That's helpful. Um, how do you prioritize time with your husband when your, your kids' needs just seem um, to never end? Give us hope. Give me hope. That was great. <laughs> All right, I'll go. Um, Prioritizing time. We've had a huge schedule shift here lately where my husband's working nights, and that's never happened before. And so it's lovely to have him home all day, but it is different to be able to, um, to find alone time and time to talk where the kids are not just there all the time. And so I'd say keeping bedtime in our home right now is very important. And that's something I have to do alone right now because that's time when he's asleep. Um, And it also means this is something that um, I have to prioritize right now and I um, have to prioritize our alone time and make sure that the kids are asleep and that we have time to talk and to be alone and be married together. Um, That I don't have anything distracting during the times that we do have alone. setting the phone aside or having the television off and just making sure that, um, that I am putting that focus right now in a way that I've never had to do before. I would agree with, um, you know, getting time and making sure that you have time. And, um, and also, I might explain 
if I have a situation that is difficult and it's um, uh, getting in the way of us having time together and so um, and, and ask for help and because sometimes he doesn't even realize I need help and uh, so um, that's that's one thing and um, and if he wants me to get something done for him, I want to make sure that I do that. I want to make sure that I get that kind of a high priority. Um, so, and then um, just that time together. So, yeah. We are lucky to have family in town. So we do try to at least one night a, a week, we try, it doesn't always happen, but to get out without the kids. Um, so we make a date night, whether it's sometimes an afternoon or Friday nights, but we do try to spend some time with our kids gone, um, just us. Um, I agree with bedtime. Bedtime was one of the things I was think is a priority. They have to be in bed, mostly because I'm done by 7.30, but they need to go to bed too. Um, and that allows us to have some time. Um, I won't say we always, but do try to intentionally keep the TV off during that time, um, put the computer and the phones aside so that we're able to have conversations. Because even when the kids are going to bed, it is sometimes, it's my, I tend to be selfish with my time and I'm learning that I have to serve my husband means I have to deny myself. Um, I want to check out at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, I'm tired. Um, and those are, that's the hour, hour and a half that I have with my husband. And so denying my, my needs to be able to spend time with him, intentional time with him, um, that's, that's how I'm learning to serve him. I'd say one more thing is with us having older kids and not just toddlers anymore, like there are times that we will tell our kids, go away. <laughs> you need to go out of this room because we're having a conversation and we just want to sit and talk to each other like grown-ups and, and that's okay. Go to your room. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, so she does, talking about Proverbs 31 woman, she also interacts with many people outside of her family. Um, so we know that our families are to have a place of priority, but we're also um, to have, you know, we have a responsibility with Christian um, brothers and sisters as well to serve outside our homes. How do you think through balancing the needs of your family with opportunities to serve others outside of your family? I think for us, our kids are little. Um, we, right now, we just, they come with us. Um, work day tomorrow, Adam will bring the boys with them. Um, last weekend, Adam went and helped, and the boys came. So they're learning to serve along with us. Um, Thursday nights, we tend, we try to have people over for dinner so we can get to know people from our body, and it's not always quiet and easy dinner conversation, but... Um, the boys are learning to serve others around us, and it's part of my sanctification, preparing dinner with three small children. Um, but I think that for us right now in the stage and season we are in, a lot of our serving, we just bring them along. And it, it looks different, but that's what, that's what we're doing. I, I would agree. Uh, Any time that we just um, brought the kids along and we did it together we served together and that's part of it being a, a dual purpose you know uh, where like um, when the children were younger we um, would 
either go to nursing homes or we'd seek out some um, elderly. And um, most of the time we were, we lived away from family. So these would be our grandparents, you know, we'd find people. And, um, but it's, it was a dual purpose. It would, they would learn how to love elderly people and not be afraid as well. And uh, we would also serve uh, doing that. Kind of a follow-up to that, you know, what about when you still have things in your own life to care for or at the house to care for or whatever? Um, how do you decide what to finish, what to leave undone so that you can serve others? I'd say if it's something that's always there, like laundry or dishes, you know, you, um, that can wait sometimes. Um, you don't have to have things um, at perfection before you have people over. Um, it's okay to have smudgy walls, and um, like right now, we, we have a lot of our outlets in our house that don't work because my husband's doing elect- um, electric work, but it's okay to have people come over, and you can serve them in your home, and they can see your imperfections. Um, that can be very encouraging to you and them. I think the same, that, and um, if it's not going to hurt like if if my if it's not going to cause harm to my family there's not something my children aren't in need of us spending one-on-one time or along those lines then as long as I can finish it the next day which is a self-discipline if I'm going to to not do it today I have to look at my day the next day and think can I finish this well tomorrow am I going to do that (laughs) and 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 follow through with that Thank you. Okay. So let's say, sorry, I want to make sure I didn't skip a page here. I'm good. How do you use and enjoy social media in a healthy and balanced way and not let it dominate your day or lead you toward ungodly ways? Go ahead. All right. Um, Be willing to delete it. If you can't delete it, then it's a problem. And there's been times where I just know that it's dominating too much of my time and I'll delete the app, but you can recover it later. It's not a big deal. Um, you wanna keep, keep it encouraging. Um, you keep disagreements and big issues for time face-to-face, not in a public setting. Um, how do I use and enjoy social media? Um, one way that I am able to interact with people is through social media because so many times it seems like I'm at home a lot. And so I can have some conversations with people that are encouraging. Um, I can operate um, and administer a Facebook group for foster and adoptive parents that has been beneficial to them in a Christian way. And so, I mean, it can be used for good, but you just have to remember that it is it needs to be deletable and not dominate your life. And I personally don't get on a whole lot, but if I do, then I just try to say something encouraging and then get off. (laughs) (laughs) It's helpful. (laughs) Keep it encouraging. I like that. I I take hiatuses. There will be times where I just know that it is not necessarily that I'm spending too much time, but I'm just, it's not helping me think well of others or it's not helping me focus on Christ. And so um, there are just times that I just 
take a break for a long time. And then I'll catch up with everybody and then take a break for a while. <laughs> Love it. So we talk about wanting to have a culture of mutual discipleship um, among us here at Summit Woods. And much of that flows out of our friendships with one another. Um, what are some ways that you try to reach out and connect with ladies in our body today? Um, sometimes I'll write letters or call. Um, I'll try to use the time in between services to connect with people and um, just encourage. Um, even though my natural inclination is would be to just go sit down and just be by myself for a while, <laughs> but I just try to push myself to to get to know people and to connect. Um, I'd say I love getting together with people um, here at the church or outside. So having a whole family over or just getting out and, um, you know, having lunch or a play date with a mom and the kids um, is special to me. Um, to be able to serve families uh, by giving them meals when they need them, um, you know, deepen relationships. I think getting, doing a Titus II group is helpful um, in getting to know women well in our body, um, more than just a high and by. Uh, if, if we want that true discipleship, it has to be deeper than that. Um, intentionally, I often will look at my week and try to make one day available to do a play date with someone so that we're able to have um, conversations that sometimes are deeper depending on how the kids are doing. Um, and then I had said earlier, Adam and I have found that Thursday nights are great nights. So we try to open up our Thursday nights and have people over for dinner. And um, it's not necessarily super deep conversations. Sometimes they are. Um, but just getting to know people that aren't in our normal circle over here and where we sit. So that's been good. And I just want to agree, too, that all through our marriage, we've invited people for dinner and, and tried to, really tried to get people to our home, especially with the kids, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to meet and get to know people. And so that was helpful. And it doesn't look perfect, yeah. like at my house with small children. It doesn't, they don't sit always quietly and behave and allow everyone to have a conversation. Sometimes the people we've invited are having conversations and Adam and I are doing something different with the kids. But just doing that the Lord has, it's been a blessing to get to know new people. It's been really encouraging. So you don't have soundproof walls? No, okay. no. I'm investing in that one day. <laughs> um, so how, how do your Christian friendships serve as a resource to help you be a more godly woman? on our question uh, yeah, Sorry, yes, number 18. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, for me, I just try to be honest with people and Read hope that. that they will be honest with me. <laughs> and I also just love to hear about people's growth in the Lord. Yeah, it's encouraging to be with like-minded women, and um, it's encouraging to know that you can encourage others. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing that that is something that is mutually being done is something very special. All right, let's see. What about people who are hard to be patient with? Um, what motivates you to serve them anyway? And how do you care for them with a humble heart? Um, 
whatever. Prayer. <laughs> I mean, I think praying for them, the Lord's been, that the Lord changes my heart towards others when I begin to pray for them. He, he grows a love for them and, and reminding myself of the gospel and denying myself and those are the things that the Lord uses. I think just reminding myself that they're made in God's image and that I may very well be testing somebody else's patience. (laughs) You know, I might be that person to someone. And so usually when I stop and slow down and take the time to um, invest in them, it's got a great lesson in it as long as I take the time to do it. Thinking that I, I've been that pathetic person, <laughs> and um, I just try to look past it and, um, you know, just see that God has looked upon me with grace, and so I can do that too, <laughs> maybe, hopefully, <laughs> His grace. <laughs> good, good. Well, I know we, we have some more questions here that I'm going to ask, but we, I know we didn't have a ton of time, we, you know, last session to, to ask some, so to have some Q&A, so I thought I'd just see if there were what questions you guys might have, and then I'll, I'll kind of sprinkle in these last few questions um, throughout that. So, any questions? Amy here has a mic, so if you have one, we'd love for you to speak in the mic so the recording can hear it later. It can be about this session or last, because I'm sure these ladies would love to talk about. <laughs> Cultivate enjoyment of your children. I am praying for them. I mean, like, I know that sounds simple, but I really have seen the Lord. I think this pregnancy has been the hardest for me. Um, Feeling-wise, I don't feel very good, and so I have had to often take, capture my thoughts and act against how I'm feeling. Um, And I have seen the Lord use prayer to help me love my children and enjoy my children um, more. And I am learning to deny myself, to come alongside them and just deny myself. And when I'm serving them, I see him changing my heart to enjoying them more. Um, That's something I'm seeing a lot this past year. I think it's so easy for me with seven children to just get so caught up and, you know, kind of treat them as my pack. And so (laughs) we're together all the time. We're schooling all the time. We're busy all the time. And so if I'm able to grab them one-on-one and get out and just enjoy them individually and be like, oh my gosh, you really are so funny or Mm -hmm. you are really very sweet. And I didn't see that before when you were, you know, grouped together with the pack. And um, (laughs) that's something that, you know, is, it's good. It's good to be able to do that. Along those lines is just seeing the differences in them and being able to enjoy that with them, um, but also just doing fun things together is helpful. Who else? Yeah, we've got a mic right here. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> um, just curious if you have any examples of ways that you've taken just an association with someone that you're connected to. Maybe it's someone like Missouri First Steps, ladies comes to your house once a week. And how do you take that relationship and move it 
towards the gospel? Is there any, like, one person that you can think of that you've God's placed in your life that you were able to actually go that extra bridge with the gospel with? And, um, yeah, just the story behind that. Um, <clears throat> for me, I just, I'll be praying on the spot, you know. Um, if it's somebody that I, I, I'm seeing over and over again, then I can pray for them outside that. But if somebody's just coming to my door, or um, then I'll just try and ask God for ways to work that in. Um, and I used to be more um, kind of afraid of that. It, like, uh, I, would, I would have to just blurt it out, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, now I see that, that God will work out situations, and sometimes they'll ask me or, you know, um, or it'll just go with the conversation, and it's kind of more helpful to be relaxed rather than thinking, I, I have to say something today, you know. That's kind of what I... Yeah, I'd agree. We did foster care for four years, and so we constantly had a flow of people through our home um, that would be similar to, like, a, a first steps. And um, just building relationship with them, um, being willing to, to chat, you know, respectfully of their time. But, um, you know, we would have caseworkers and therapists and, you know, just a whole sprinkling of people. And they would tell us, you know, we know that there's something different in your home. And um, taking the opportunities when you get them and um, by knowing that things were different and knowing what our outlook was and knowing that we were Christians you know we we actually had a therapist fall apart in our house when she was diagnosed with cancer and you know being able to pray with her and use that influence that we had built slowly because it it goes with natural flowing conversation I um, I think right now we have neighbors um, that we are interacting with who are not believers and they have young kids. And so just being able to have that conversation, sometimes it's just around parenting, um, kind of opens the door of why we choose to do this or why we choose to do that. Um, we've invited them to church. Um, that's opened the door, I think, for the gospel the easiest is just that natural conversation about our children at this moment um, and why my, our, not our children per se, because they're all, my children are, are sinners, but why my parenting looks different than her parenting um, has opened some doors for some conversations of why we choose to do that. So, I think it's good to remember too, like, I don't remember if it was you or Rachel. Um, had reminded me that it's not it's not our words that are going to change their mind or or flip a switch necessarily in terms of showing them the gospel. I think that kind of takes some of the weight off of our shoulders when we are having those just day to day conversations with people. Um, so that that was a helpful reminder for me. Anyway, so I thought I'd share that little nugget. Mm-hmm. I'm not the expert though, so please leave. <laughs> no. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Any other questions? Or we can, I can ask one of these and while you guys think. Because I know there's some thinking going on out there. Okay, I'll ask one of these while you guys are deciding who's going to go next. Um, okay, so, so we're going to end. We're going to also have some of the questions that we, we had at the last uh, panel. A couple of them we want to ask at each of these sessions. Um, what's one big key piece of advice that you would give um, 
you know, about caring for the people the Lord has placed in your life. Um, and if you want to tag on to that, any, you know, books or resources or um, things like that that have been particularly helpful. I'd say my piece of advice would be not to overlook any opportunity because it seems small or ordinary. Um, Right now, um, and for several years now, and will be for several more years to come, my circle is really small. It's my kids, and and they are sinners, and they are not necessarily believers. Um, But, you know, and it ripples out from there, you know, so it's my children and my um, extended family that are not believers. And then um, with being an adoptive family, we have some interaction with birth family. And so I have these small pockets of people, and my world's not very big right now, but remembering that it's okay to just have a small influence and to be impactful um, with, a small, with a small circle, um, because sometimes that can be, you can really invest your time there, and that can be a lot bigger than you, than you think. I was thinking, I mean, along those lines, it's the little things. It's the little things that, that are going to be eternal. Um, it's the little things that will add up in your family's life, in somebody else's, as you encourage them. Um, and um, I was thinking also to remember that... Um, there's really absolutely no reason in and of yourself that God chose to give you grace. And um, I can ask myself, why am I still alive? I'm here to serve Christ and his church, um, to tell others about the gospel, to be the ambassador. I, I can't care well for those in my life if my priority is not the Lord. Um, so whatever season I'm in, whether that's little sleep or more sleep, but um, that I am prioritizing time, reading the word in prayer, listening to the word, whatever that looks like, I have to have that a priority. Um, otherwise, it's just me trying to pick up my bootstraps and serve my kids well, and I won't be able to do that without the Lord. Um, and I think books... I do enjoy reading. I have lots of books, but I just finished one, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, It was Adorned by Nancy DeMoss. What's her new last name? Yep. Woldemuth? Wolgamuth. That's way harder than... I know. Nancy DeMoss was so much easier. (laughs) Um, Anyway, she just wrote a book, Adorned, and I finished it, and I really enjoyed it. It was very practical. Titus 2 book that helped me think through things like being kind and pure and loving my husband and my children and um and she knows many stages of life she got married much later in life and so being able to talk through all of those stages um of titus 2 with a different perspective was was helpful and it was very good so any other book recommendations I, I, here? i don't have any specific but reading godly biographies and autobiographies um it's good for me so i can those things stay in my head and also um like to help the kids read them because that will help their growth as well now for the floor (laughs) 
Yes, ma'am. We've got one right up here, it looks like. Okay. Okay. Um, for me, my question is probably a little bit different. Um, I know that God has a very um, specific calling for my life and that he's called me to do this. Um, it was a very hard decision to make, submissive with my husband, um, leaving the way on this one. Um, but our roles are sometimes seems a little flipped as to a traditional Christian woman. And sometimes this is hard for me. And I know that God is using my specific gifts and talents for the betterment of his kingdom because I get to work with all these wonderful high school students. And uh, I get to use my um, very high-level science degrees to work with these Christian kids and showing them how it's okay um, to view science and with a godly uh, mindset from that. Um, but sometimes I struggle with me not being the one at home and homeschooling the kids and just wondered if you had any suggestions on that. I think everyone is uh, called to um, different s seasons of life. N not, I don't think Titus 2 describes you have to be a stay-at-home mom homeschooling your kids. Um, I think that Titus 2 calls us to be women who prioritize our home, um, that you are still working outside the home, but you're not neglecting your home. It's still your priority. You're serving your husband and your kids well. Um, then you're still fulfilling what God has called us to be as Titus II women. Um, it's going to look different for each person where they are. Other thoughts? Well, I'd like to kind of take a bit of a rabbit trail here. One of the questions that we didn't get to was said, tell us one way that you intentionally try to do good for your husband. And I really struggled with that as I was looking through these questions, getting ready for this panel. And I could think of a bunch of little things, but I couldn't think of anything super fabulous. And so I asked him, and he gave me a list that just about made me cry. It was incredible. Um, you know, just telling me how I was faithful as a wife um, to him and faithful to the Lord and that I intentionally cared um, and disciplined the kids. And he doesn't have to worry about my focus being on our family, and, and he trusts me there. And so I would say to ask him, Ask him, and ask him all the ways that he sees you intentionally doing good for him. And I think that it would be very encouraging to you if you did. Probably have time for one more question before we dismiss for... <laughs> I mean, I can ask one of these. There's some really good questions here. That was one of them that I had Sorry. starred as a comeback around to you. So thank you for, for talking about that. Let's see. One of the other ones that I had. Um, what is one way, this one I, yeah, this was one I started that I'd love for us to talk about. What is one way you intentionally try to interact with lost people around you? This was, a, this was hard. This is helpful for my heart to hear this going from working 40 hours a week for nine years at 
or well, 15 years, whatever, at corporate office and now being home and not around the world as much as I, as I was. So being intentional about that and what does that look like? Um, I have mostly non-Christian family, so um, w- um, I do a lot of communicating of the gospel with them. But um, it's it's uh, uh, I I'm losing all thoughts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost dinner time. I think seasons look different. Um, like you said, you worked before in an environment where you were surrounded, and now you're home. Um, so I think each season of our life looks different. Adam and I used to travel a lot more overseas um, with international work, and that right now is not the same. Um, but I can... I do have neighbors who have children, and so having intentional conversations with them, um, inviting them over for play dates, those kind of things are ways that I can intentionally engage uh, the lost around me. Um, Adam's office, the ladies he works with are not believers, praying for them, um, having, when we go up there, opportunities to have conversations with them, taking just the opportunities that are in our day-to-day um, Lives. I don't necessarily think it has. It's not a a big, massive. It's just having those conversations. Like we were, that question. I know your name, Al- Alyssa. Is that right? No, I can't remember. Katie. Yes. Um, you asked that question. It's just that conversations of that we're having every day that our life reflects the gospel because we are living the gospel. So those are the times that we're able to have them with just whoever we're involved with that day. Well, I have time to think. <laughs> and, um, but that's, that's a whole other story. But <clears throat> ways that uh, we've gotten to, to know neighbors and things is at Christmas, we usually put together a newsletter, and I try to make it <clears throat> somewhat evangelistic. And so um, we kind of weave what the family's doing in with what, you know, the gospel is, sort of. And um, so we'll go around to the neighborhood and we'll bring them a letter and maybe a loaf of bread or something like that. Sometimes we'll have a Christmas party and invite neighbors in. Um, I, will try, I, I will try to send this letter out to all my family, which is huge, and Terry's is huge too. <laughs> and so it gets, and then we've been to many churches. But anyway... So I, it, it's just one way that we use around Christmas time to do that. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much for sharing with us, and it's been encouraging for me, so I can imagine it has been for these ladies as well.